Amen. God is good. Amen. We go through things in life sometimes and we wonder, you know, if God is still there, but God is good all the time. And what we call good times and what we call bad times, God is always there. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15 through 23. If you have your Bibles, turn there as we're on our eighth lesson of a series that we've entitled Rebuilding Walls. This morning we want to talk to you about working together. It's important if we're going to accomplish anything in life, you know, to, uh, we have to learn to work together, especially within a church, but also within families. I believe many reasons that many families are in such disarray today is because many families aren't working together. Everybody's going their opposite directions, and, you know, it just seems like the families are no longer what they used to be when I was growing up. We're not going to get off on that tantrum, I promise you. But as we look at families today, we just see the families are in total disarray and it's getting worse. And if families, if a church, if a business, if friendships or whatever are going to be what God desires it to be, we have to learn to work together. And that's what we're going to see this morning as Nehemiah and the people of Israel were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that were torn down. Now, maybe just recap real quickly. A uh, week before last, we saw in verse 10 how fatigue began to sit in on the people, which when fatigue sets in, then the next thing is frustration builds up in the lives of the people. So we saw that happening. And when that, happening, when that happens, what happens is that breeds fault-finding, which leads to failure. And Nehemiah saw it leading to failure. So Nehemiah, as the leader, he stood up and he began to, uh, as he noticed this uh, discouragement in the camp, he said, I must do something about this. Otherwise, the vision and the people are going to be defeated. Look, after gathering the people together, he then issues the challenge to them that we saw in verse 14 last week when he said this, do not be afraid of the enemy. Nehemiah told him, look, the, the, the enemy is, is not near as strong as God. He said, don't be afraid of the enemy. He went on to say, remember the Lord and print him in your minds. Folks, listen, when it just seems like we're at attack, are from all direction when it just seems like the enemy is out to destroy us. Listen to me. Remember your Lord. Don't be afraid of the enemy. God has everything on the enemy. The enemy cannot defeat you because the enemy cannot defeat God. You can only defeat yourself by allowing the enemy, you know, to uh, come into your life uh, by allowing the enemy to bring defeat in your life. He said, remember the Lord and print him in your mind. Now look, how can we imprint the Lord within our mind? Folks, you've got to be in His Word. If you're not in the Word of God, you can't imprint the words of God and God Himself within your minds. He said, great and terrible, take from Him courage. Take from the Lord courage. And then what did He say? To fight for your brethren. To fight for your sons. To fight for your daughters. To fight for your wives. To fight for your homes. Listen, Satan is out to destroy the church, and the way he destroys the church is through families. And Nehemiah said, look, when the enemy comes and, and seeks to destroy your family, remember God. 
Trust God. When it seems like the enemy is after your sons and your daughters and your wives and, and, and your entire family, he said, remember God and print him in your mind. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Look, fight for the vision that God has given you. This world we're living in, folks, is filled, you know, with total destruction. And it seems, it, it just, it, it's after everything. It's after the church. It's after your family. The enemy is after your, 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 your sanity even. Because the enemy wants to destroy you. Look, a good leader is going to face discouragement within the camp. Now, when I'm talking about leaders this morning, I, let me just lay this groundwork. When I'm talking about leaders this morning, I'm not talking about just the leader of the church. I'm not talking about the pastor. Listen, you are a leader in your home. So when I use the term leader this morning, let me just lay this out. I'm speaking about that in a general consensus here. If you're a husband of your, or the father of your home, the husband of your home, you are the leader of that home. The ladies, you don't escape either. You're the leaders of your children also. So when I use leader this morning, you know what? It's going to touch each and every one of us. Okay? I just wanted to lay that. But a good leader is going to face discouragement within the camp from time to time. You know, he must, be, uh, he must not be intimidated. He must not be pressured. Rather, a good leader will always seek the instruction of God. A good leader understands that he must face the problem head on or it's going to destroy the people and it's going to destroy the vision that God has given. As a result of Nehemiah facing this problem head on, you know, we can see the results beginning in verse 15. First of all, let's take a look at the plot of the enemy and how it had came to light. You see, he says this in verse 15. And it came to pass when our enemies heard it was known to us. Now, that, that's important to understand. The enemy thought they had made a plan that, you know, Israel would not, would not even know they was coming. But it says when they heard that it was known to us, and God had brought their counsel to naught. In other words, God had spoken to the leader. And God said, the enemy is after you. The enemy is seeking to destroy you. You better wake up. God had brought it to their attention. It was known to us, and God brought their counsel to naught, and that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. Look, the thing about those who plotted against the work of the people, they thought their plotting and their plans would be stealth, where they could just move right in and go in unnoticed, and they could just completely destroy the work of God. But God had revealed to Nehemiah their plans and had given him wisdom on how to move forward with the vision that he had given him and the people of God. Look, if we remain faithful to God as a leader, Listen, husbands, if you remain, you know, uh, faithful to God as the leader of your home, as the leader of your family, you know, as the leader of whatever it is you're leading, you know, if you remain faithful to God, God will always speak to you and God will always give you warning that someone is out to destroy you, that the enemy is after you. The enemy is after your children. The enemy is after your wife. The enemy is after, you know, your family as a whole. God will speak to you and God will hear you. But listen to me, if you're not where you need to be with the Lord, you're not going to hear instruction from the Lord giving you warning that the enemy is coming upon you. 
Nehemiah was where he needed to be with the Lord. Therefore, when, when, when God spoke to him, he said, look, here's what's fixing to happen, Nehemiah. You better get a plan together. When well, Nehemiah was able to hear it. You know one reason so many families are being destroyed today is because the, the, the mother and the father are not serving God the way they should, and the enemy is just able to come in and swoop the family away. Listen to me. Dads, husbands, wives, mothers, if you're not where you need to be with God, the enemy is going to destroy your family. The enemy is going to take your kids. The enemy is going to destroy your kids. As the leader of your home, you need to be where you, where, where, where you can hear God and understand God and have that fellowship with God. If Nehemiah hadn't been where he was with God, the enemy would have swooped in and completely destroyed him. Now look here. It took two things for the people to be successful. First of all, it took the leadership of being wise enough to see the problem, then act upon it. It took the leader being wise enough to hear from God, see the problem, and then act upon it. And the second thing, it took the people acknowledging that there was a problem, then seeking to resolve it. Listen, there's many families, and I'm going to use the word many because I believe there's many families, there's many families that they don't want to acknowledge there's a problem in the family. They don't want to acknowledge that, yes, you know, there is a problem here. And I need to seek how to resolve this problem. Listen, closing your eyes to a problem is not going to get rid of the problem. Closing your eyes to the problem is only going to make it worse. Closing your eyes to the problem is going to allow the enemy to swoop in and destroy the camp. Look, if a church or an individual is to overcome discouragement, get back at the task at hand and return to rebuilding whatever it is God has placed upon you, you know, these same things must take place in your life. And I'm talking about the leader being wise enough to see the problem and doing something about it. And I'm talking about the people acknowledging there's a problem and doing something about it. Whether it's a church trying to rebuild a passion or a vigor it once had, you know, or a husband and wife trying to rebuild that marriage, or a father and a mother trying to rebuild the relationship with a prodigal child, they must be wise enough to see the problem, strong enough to uh, confront it, and then persistent enough to continue moving forward in spite of the confrontation that they are going to experience both in the camp and outside the camp. Now, there's three types of leaders. And again, whether you're talking about leaders in the home, on the job, in the church, or even in a nation, there's three types of leaders. First of all, there's those who never see the problem, therefore they never confront the problem. They don't even see there's a problem. And if you do not see there's a problem, you're unable to confront that problem. It's sad, but sometimes the leader never sees the problem that's right before them for some reason or another. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they figure if they see it, they're going to be responsible to do something about it, and therefore if they don't see it, they're not responsible to do something about it, you know, and therefore they just totally keep blinded eyes toward it. Look at here. Whether you close your eyes to the problem or not, you're going to answer to God. 
Okay? You're not going to stand before God one day and say, well, I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see that. <clears throat> the second type of leader is those who see the problem but do not confront it. Now, again, we're talking about leaders of home. We're talking about leaders in the church, leaders of a nation. They, 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 they see the problem, but I'm not going to go there. Because if I go there, it's going to make things worse. You see, some leaders, for whatever reason, refuse to make the effort to resolve the problem they know is right before them. Maybe they figure if, a, you know, if I do something, I'm going to be all alone and I'm going to have to try to figure this out myself. You know, I'm going to make people mad. I'm going to make people upset. And then the third type of leader is those who see the problem and quickly confront it, and quickly confront it. You see, the people must have enough respect for the leadership that when a problem is brought to their attention, they accept the counsel of the leader and seek to resolve the problem together no matter what it takes. The leader and the people must work together and say there is a problem, here is the problem. We're going to do whatever it takes to resolve this problem. If we hurt people's feelings, so be it. You know, if people get upset, so be it. Because if we don't deal with the problem, the problem's only going to get worse. Now, just like there's three types of leaders, there's also three types of followers. All right, the first type of follower is those who never know that there's a problem that exists. They don't even realize what's going on around them. You know, they don't even realize there's a problem here. You see, e either they fail to see the problem or they close their eyes to the problem and hope that it'll take care of itself. They have the mentality of out of sight, out of mind. Long as I don't see it, you know, it's not even there. Second one is those who see the problem but refuse to follow their leaders me do something <laughs> that's what we pay the leader for me do something that's what daddy's for you know me do something that's what mama's for they see the problem but they say i, I know there's a problem but i'm not going to do what they say i'm not going to follow them and the third one is this those who see the problem desire to uh, solve the problem and are willing to follow the leader to do whatever it takes to resolve that problem Look, you see, it's not enough to have a leader who sees the problem and acts quickly to confront it if the followers refuse to see the problem and fail to follow the leader. And the same is true on the opposite end there. It's, no good, it's not good if you have followers who see the problem and willing to confront it, but they don't have a leader who is willing to lead out in combating the problem. Look, if the problem is to be resolved, both the leadership and the followers must begin working together to solve that problem. You have a problem in your marriage, it's going to take both of you working together to resolve it. You have problems with one of your children, it's going to take both to resolve it. You have problems within a church, it's going to take both leadership and followers to resolve it. You got problems on your job, it's going to take both leaders and followers working together to do it. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. I guess that was just the introduction. We'll get started on our lesson. Working together. 
Folks, that's the key to being successful for God. Now, what does working together look like? Look at verse 16. Here's what working together looks like. And it came to pass from that time forth. Now, what time forth is it making reference to? From when Nehemiah saw the problem, when Nehemiah gave it to, you know, shared the problem with the uh, people, and they all decided, yes, we must do something about it. From that time forth, that half of my servants walked in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the uh, hammer gardens, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which built the wall, and they that uh, uh, bear burdens with those uh, that laden, every one with his own hands walked in the work. And with the other hand they held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded about his side so, uh, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, The work is great and the work is large and we are separated upon the wall one far from another. In what place therefore you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort thee thither unto uh, uh, unto us. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, I said unto the people, let every one with his servants lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may, be, they may guard us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men uh, of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. Folks, listen, this, this verse is here. These verses here are a great example of what happens when people begin working together, when people begin interceding for one another and covering one another's back. Look here, working together involves intercession made on behalf of one another. That's the key, intercession made on behalf of one another. Look, if there's one thing lacking within our churches today, I believe it's that of intercessory prayer. You know, the easiest thing to do is pray, yet that's the hardest thing to get people to do. It's amazing. Look, what a difference it would make in a church. In fact, what a difference it would make in Fairview Baptist Church if we had a number of people show up here at 9.15, 9.30 and, and, and on Sunday mornings and they go around praying over each Sunday school class, interceding for that Sunday school class, you know, over this sanctuary, praying over this pastor, praying over Sunday school teachers. What a difference it would make if there was that intercessory prayer like we see took place here. Nehemiah said, guys, we got to pray for one another. we got to lift one another up before God. And let me tell you something, if we had people show up here, 9.15, 9.30, go in every one of these Sunday school classes, in the nursery, you know, the classes out there, and pray over those classes, I believe we would see God move like we never thought possible. If people would pray over this pastor, if people would pray over the Sunday school teachers, what a difference it would make here also 
if our Sunday school teachers showed up, you know, 15 minutes early to pray over their own classroom, to pray over, uh, you know, their students, even though their students aren't there yet, but to pray that God would touch the hearts of those children, that God would touch the hearts of the adults, that God would meet the needs of whoever's going to be in that Sunday school class this morning. There's nothing more important for our church than intercessory prayer. You see, a prayer covering is essential if a church is going to be able to combat the enemy and move forward for God. That's the key to defeating the enemy, folks, is prayer. Now, the second thing we see here is this. Working together entails some working while others protect. Hmm. Some working while others protect. Look, in the church, it's no different. We need those who will be on the front lines laboring while others are behind them in a support role. You see, sometimes it's easy for people to say, well, you know, I'm just in the back scenes here, you know. Nobody sees what I do. You know, nobody sees me come up here and mow the churchyard. Nobody sees me, you know, working fellowships and, you know, going to funerals like we had some do, you know, the other day for Brother Marlin's funeral and serve the entire family. These are all things that are behind the scene, and sometimes people never notice that. Some pe- sometimes people don't notice the people doing our AV stuff because it's behind the scenes. And some people say, nobody knows what I'm doing. You know what? God knows what you're doing, and that's all that matters. But you see, it takes those behind the scenes and those in the front. Now, what I mean by those in the front, I'm talking about those standing up teaching a Sunday school class, those in there doing that. You know, it takes us all working together, what we see here, the support role and, and those in a leadership, you know, to, to, to have the spiritual, you know, power we need to fight off the enemy. Nehemiah understood the uh, importance of protecting those on the front lines with not only intercessory prayer, but also with people backing them up in a support role. Look, a church would be wise to learn from this example of people working together. You know, some on the wall doing the actual labor while others are right out, uh, you know, uh, right behind them, defending them, you know, and keeping them safe. Now, the third thing is working together entails fighting for each other. Wow. (laughs) Fighting each other how easy it is for some people to jump on a bandwagon when those inside or outside begin condemning what's happening uh, with the leader or those within the camp look nehemiah understood the importance of protecting fighting for and having in one another's back you know rather than putting a knife in one another's back you know it, it is sad but sometimes and uh, i mean i've witnessed this Sometimes I feel that those who call themselves Christian are more cruel than some atheists toward other Christians. I have seen in churches, rather than someone fighting for someone and helping there to support a person, you know, they'd rather stab them in the back than pray for them, than lift them up then go beside them and and say, what can I do to help you? How many times have I seen just a couple of negative people spread a negative spirit throughout a church that spreads like wildfire? And and, and rather than than someone taking a stand, drawing a line in the stand, praying for, protecting, and fighting for that person, they join right in 
with all the negative stuff. How sad. How sad. And before you know it, the vision of the church is gone. And again, you see that within families too. Rather than families standing up and fighting for one another, they put a, back, a knife in the back of one another. Look, when the enemy opposes us, as surely he will, we should respond with prayer. We should respond with work. We should respond with vigilance. And we should begin putting our focus on the Lord. Then we'll be successful. Look, if it, you know, if we only had chapter 3 of Nehemiah, remember in chapter 3, boy, there was excitement. We'd get in, 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 uh, uh, the impression that the work on the wall went without a snag because up till chapter 3 here, you know, it says this person built this gate, this person built this wall, this person did that, that person did that. Everything was in harmony. Everything was good. We would get that impression if there was only three chapters. It sounds as if there was no problem. But such was not the case, and it never is. There will always be opposition. Always be opposition. And again, whether it's the church, whether it's your family, whether it's on your job, in your school, or whatever it might be, there would always be opposition. Look, whatever wall you're trying to build or rebuild, in your life, trust me, the enemy will try to get you sidetracked and try to give you, get you to give up completely. Just throw up your hands and say, it's not worth it. Throw up your hands and say, this will never happen. Throw up your hands and say, you know, I'm just too discouraged to go on. That's what the enemy wants you to do. You know, even though it was God's will for the wall to be rebuilt, listen to this. Even though it's God's will, he's not going to remove the opposition. Now, wouldn't it be good if God said, okay, here's my will for your life, here's what I want you to do, and God just removed the opposition from us, God removed the enemy from us? Wouldn't that be nice? But it doesn't work that way, folks. It doesn't work that way. He didn't remove the opposition from them. He will not remove the opposition from you. It would be great if he did, but it's not going to happen that way. But if you respond properly, the opposition will drive you to a greater dependence upon the Lord. That's where you need to go when opposition comes. It ought to cause you to depend more upon God. Not only depend upon him, but have a greater determination to do what he's called you to do. Look, if you yield to the opposition, you're going to quit the race because of discouragement, and you're going to settle for less than what God really has for you. Look, if you know Christ and try to accomplish anything for him, you are going to experience opposition. Look, respond as Nehemiah did with prayer, keeping, keep, keep, keeping on with the work, being vigilant against the enemy, keeping your focus, you know, on the great and awesome God whom we serve. Work together. Work together 
Work together with your family. Work together with your church. Work together with those you go to school with. Work together with those, you know, on your job who just seems to always be against you. Work together. Find your place on the wall. As I mentioned to you when we started this study, every piece of correspondence that we send out, you know, we talk about the people had a mind to work. Now, do you have a mind to work this morning? Work at keeping your family together. Work at keeping your church going. Work at keeping, you know, your, 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 your relationship with others where it should be. Do you have a mind to work this morning, or is your mind just done giving up on what it is you know God has got before you to do? Look, there's not a one of us in here this morning whom God has not given you a wall, so to speak to build or rebuild. Maybe that wall is to rebuild your family. Maybe that wall is to rebuild your home, and I'm not talking about the house. Maybe in the church, God has spoken to you and said, you need to be involved in this role within the church, whether it's a support role or a leadership role. And discouragement has set in, and you said, can't do it. You know, can't ain't never done nothing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now look, maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But until you enter that personal relationship with him, you're not going to know what that purpose in life is all about. Because he's the one that directs you on that purpose. He's the one that says, here's what I have for you in life. But without him, you'll never be able to accomplish that, first of all, because you never will know what his will for you is. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment and we would just invite you as we stand here in a moment to just, just come. Let us tell you about Jesus' death on the cross and what it will do for you. Maybe you're here and you realize you've pretty much given up on whatever it is God has led you to do. And maybe this morning you need to come and you need to ask God to revive that fire in you to accomplish his will. Whatever your need is this morning, we want to give you that opportunity to respond. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, I